Hey y'all, welcome back to a Monday, April 25th, 2022 edition here on the Chase and Most Podcast. Really though, Misay and Thomas here on the Chase and Most Podcast because Philip Misay is back. My good friend Philip Misay is back on this very program. Uh, great director, friend, writer, all that and more. And uh, he's got a new film out, a short film that he put together last year that we talk about in this particular episode that uh, we'll talk about all the important links there, but philipmusay.com is where you want to go uh, for that trailer. Uh, Cleveland Film Festival, it's going to be uh, all over. It's fantastic, and I uh, highly encourage you guys to go check that out and be ready for that um, on the lookout as the summer approaches. But um, on this particular episode, we kick back uh, into groove here because it's been a year since we last did our film review podcast and man i uh i've missed them a lot so being able to talk about movies again with philip was uh, an absolute delight and i'm very glad to have that back in my life because it's important and i think it uh it makes me smarter and it helps me in a lot of ways and i think it's just we come at these films in completely different uh ways and uh, I think it's just really informing for me and I think uh, for the listeners too because it's just, it's cool. Um, me being a sports guy and Philip being a, a filmmaker and um, just two different lenses there. And I, uh, yeah, I just, I very much enjoy and treasure our conversations and uh, where they go and what we gather from the films that we watch uh, each week. So this one, Drive My Car, a Japanese film that is quite good that you can go check out on HBO Max right now if you have not already done so a little bit lengthy but just a really really great uh film that uh, very much enjoyed watching and talking about with philip so again drive my car up next here on philip musay and uh, chase thomas here on the chase thomas podcast uh folks if you would like to watch this very program guess what you can do so youtube.com type in the chase thomas podcast that easy that simple hit that subscribe button and never miss a video component here on the podcast um also yeah there's more um i'm writing all the time now in one particular spot sports renaissance man that's me sports renaissance man.substack.com type in your email become a subscriber today and never miss any of my writing on that front i would greatly appreciate that sports renaissance man.substack.com uh also if you're not already go ahead and hit that subscribe button on apple podcast spotify or however you get your podcast so that you never miss a future episode um, but if you're already a subscriber and you have not already done so go ahead and hit that pause button on your uh, podcast player and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts, spotify or however you get your podcast it uh, helps other people find the show and it helps this show continue to grow so if you could do that today i would greatly appreciate it um, follow me on twitter chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer all right we're back let's go chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast <laughs> um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right ladies and gentlemen what oh nope what happened are we live we're live I'm not cutting okay. any of this. By okay. The way. All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great. What's you up? Had me at What's the ladies up, and gentlemen? Ladies? Yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? And mm-hmm. uh, welcome back from a horrible, horrible hiatus from Musain Thomas. It's mm-hmm. been about a year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Chase uh, Chase has blown up since then. He's just left me in the dust. I'm, no. I'm still still in in down here in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Uh, Chase is up there in Knoxville, Tennessee, doing doing big things like uh, getting syndicated, essentially mm-hmm. getting um, getting getting nicknames thrown around like Sports <laughs> Renaissance Man, which which is a hundred percent accurate if you ask me. I mean, it's like how, how many how many sports how many articles do you think you read a day on on every like sporting event that that took place like i feel like by like you're you're just missing like cricket and water polo <laughs> at this point um probably so with my google docs if i had to sort through what i i would say probably 40 40 to 45 somewhere around there a day yeah 40 to 45 a day. And then I and that's not even including the books that I'm I'm getting through on a daily basis. So it's like a I have a whole daily like reading log and a daily like book log and daily writing log and yeah, no. The the articles are a lot, but it's also just that like um it it depends on what long form I read that day. So there is some stuff that can like throw a wrench in like how many different articles I read. So it's like if I end up going down a rabbit hole on like The Ringer or um, the New Yorker or something, then that might uh, pull me from just really, really just going through all kinds of uh, different um, 400 to 700 word articles. Like, it just depends on so, what's so happening. Let me just get this straight. Are, are you getting your sports news from the New Yorker? There are some really good sports columns in the New Yorker. Yeah? Yeah, there's some good stuff. But, I mean, I, I don't like to only read sports stuff, though. Like, I need to uh, make sure that... Um, I'm getting a, a healthy dose of uh, things that matter and uh, things that uh, uh, I want to be not a, not an expert at, but just something that I have a working knowledge is the way I describe it. Like I have yeah. a working knowledge in terms of things that matter. <laughs> things that things that are going on in the world. You're yes. yeah, you're just staying worldly. And and by the way, I I mean I love the New Yorker. I feel like it's mm. it's literally like you you and I are probably the 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 co co-kings of hot takes yeah i feel like every new yorker article is just one steaming hot take <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like some of the most uh some of the most pointed and mm. and voice filled writing that i that i think exists like um so I, I would i would love to to uh to see what you're pulling from from the new yorker um that you're that you're you know resonating with on the daily um, yeah, I mean it's it. Um, Meyer's always pretty pointed um, with, and I've read a couple of her books. I think yeah, Dark Money's right there. Um, she's pretty good. Um, I don't know. It's just it's interesting because I like reading styles where it's like I can't write like that, even if I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, like there's yeah. no part of me that is capable of writing anything like that. And I'm I like reading people who I'm not worried of like oh we we write alike. Or there's a lot of uh, similarities between the two of us um, because I think it's more uh, exciting to read um, people that I I just it's amazing to see how their brain works and how they formulate and structure their stuff and uh, it just uh, it's interesting because I I like writing reading writing that uh, like I said just kind of varies from my own and I can jot stuff down and I'm like oh this is this is fascinating and um, I don't know like it uh, it's fun I, I like what do you read. I read I read a lot of really sad books on like late stage capitalism. Yeah, what's the latest one? Uh, so I am uh, making my way through. I really don't want to talk about this. 
I'm making my way through a book right now called <laughs> Capitalist Realism. Yeah. And it's it's extremely dark. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I'm drawn to these types of books because... Because um, your personality doesn't match it. And I tell people, <laughs> it, and I told Samantha, I'm like, he's a bleak, like, he's a bleak person in, like, in a lot of ways. And I think that's why Philip and I um, share a lot in common where it's like, I think my uh, bleakness is probably more out there and more, yeah. more uh, like, people would not be surprised to hear that, like, we have uh, kind of a cynical or pessimistic view on where things are going. But like you, you're just a happy, like your outwardly demeanor would not. Uh... It wouldn't suggest that I spend my free time reading books <laughs> about the way the world is going to end or the way exactly. that society is going yes. to disintegrate. <laughs> yes. The way, the way that all the antagonism that is uh, that we're seeing towards democracy is is coming to a, a fever pitch. Well, but, see, this is why I would love to be know. on every one of your first dates. Like, just... <laughs> The, this is exactly you, how they go, by the way. Yeah, where you get the to way. the meat of the conversation when you get past the just the the basic stuff, and then they're like, "Wait, what? Hold on, where are we going with this?" And you're like 17 minutes in, and I'm just like, "This is this is what I need." It, it well, would be a great it would be a great reality show, Philip. The, the hilarious thing is, I, I read so much nonfiction that mm. if I if I'm if I'm like ha- having to either catch up on fiction or I haven't read a nonfiction book in a while. If anyone asks me what book I'm reading, like what novel I'm reading, my gut reaction will will probably be Lord of the Flies. (laughs) Because either at some stage or or Brave New World, I'm always at some stage of like rereading passages from Brave New World or or The Stranger. Like, Mm. I don't know. I I need to get better. Mr. Albert Camus. Yeah, he's... There's there's a guy who had That's a on my shelf too. Ch- cheery cheery outlook on life. It's a good book though. It's a great it's book. Great. It's a great book. Vonnegut's probably the more like I, I go back to a lot of Vonnegut stuff, um, where his writing is playful, but it's also very bleak and <laughs> about where things are at. It, it it is kind of funny. And this was decades and decades ago that we're reading, and it's like, oh man, but we're still here, right, Philip? Yeah, we're still yeah. here. And look, a lot like uh, one of the. The central pieces of literature of the mm. film that we're going to read. This is uh, a good segue. Many, many artists uh, tend to write about very bleak things, mm-hmm. and uh, not least of which is the, is this film and, and Haruki Murakami, who is um, uh, a you know one of the most beloved Japanese authors um, alive today. I actually read his book, "What We Talk About When We Talk About Running," a few years ago, mm. and absolutely loved it. It's it's essentially like a memoir that is not a memoir. I think he was very deliberate about you know classifying it as not a memoir even though it it does have a lot of memoir characteristics but anyway Mm. uh let's talk about film Mm. i don't know i was kind of all in on your your book selection choices i was kind of all in on that um and i also love that we're just we're back first video pod the two of us have ever done and we've got the atlanta stuff like all ready to go so if people forget that we're both from Stone mountain georgia they will not forget based on our our wardrobe and uh merchandise choices. oh are we on or is this is this podcast being posted look at him folks he didn't even know that there's the youtube look, channel I w- now I and everything i would have like cleaned up all of the stuff on my couch behind me but look I, this is this is in media rest as it gets yeah like i, I think it's you're see you're seeing me on a sunday afternoon right. i'm about to get off of this podcast and start uh. doing uh work work so that's what is fun. work work as opposed to not work work what work, is work work work, work? Is work work the one the the bill paying work work or the not work work? Which one? 
I love this. Uh, I, I just wanted to say work, work. Multiple you just, times. you just, you love, you love driving that, driving that screwdriver right, right <laughs> through my carotid artery every, 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 every chance you get, huh? We're not going to talk about my work, work. I'm for for anyone who wants to know, I'm a, I'm basically a spy. Yeah. What about your <clears> work, like, work, work? Oh, work, work, work is fun. That's that's okay. the fun word. It's like the when you it's like when you square something. If you like square mm. a negative number, you get a positive number. But if you yeah. if you cube a negative number, it's still a negative number. Mm-hmm. My work, work, work is like <laughs> a negative number squared, and right. so it's still like negative. Mm-hmm. But I kind of view it as like a positive because it's you know for various reasons. I'm a spy. Okay, don't worry. Do your parents read anything that you're reading? Do you give them the books? Do you like hand them over and like you would you would love this? No, hmm. no, not at all. I don't even think my, I think I, I legitimately think that I'm the only person who reads the books that I read. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I'm, one of my favorite books is Brave New World Revisited, which mm-hmm. is where Aldous Huxley, and I think this is like the sixties. He, he basically wrote an explanation of how everything he portended in Brave New World was, was, was basically becoming a reality. And there's like this one there's this one chapter where he talks about how um, there's like the 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 consumer like super brain mm. and like brands like Colgate um, are uh, are starting to bring younger consumers into their sort of domain at an earlier and earlier age, and so I think this was around the time they started like brands started to come up with jingles. Mm. Um, like Stanley Steamer make carpet cleaner, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, jingles were expressly developed for the purpose, or you know, this this is what he alleges in the book. Were expressly developed in order to um, essentially create these earworms in younger consumers, mm-hmm. so that when you see a Colgate ad on TV, mm. um, you associate that that sort of. Um, sonic cue with mm. like an immediate need to go out and buy, you know, Colgate toothpaste, or you know, when you're in the store and you and you and you see like a tube of Colgate, you right. associate it with the jingle, and and like that becomes the, you know, um, that becomes the impulse to to buy that thing, and um, it's 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 just it's a really fascinating book, but um, yeah, I, mean, I can talk about this all day. There you go. Do you know it's funny? Um, so it's you want to talk about this all day, but do you like talking about this kind of stuff with other people? Is my question because I feel like this is one of your favorite things to explore, and like one of your favorite things to read about and spend a lot of time thinking about. But do you yeah. actually enjoy talk? Like if if I if we were at a dinner party, Philip, and I was like, <laughs> all right, this is my friend Philip. He loves reading about late stage capitalism, and Philip, and here how, you go, and how democracies fail. Right. Yeah. Would you be comfortable? Is that like the worst thing someone can say? Like when you walk into a room of like, this is what uh, Philip is, his background is. This is his favorite thing. And um, here you go. Because for me, like when the worst thing um, that can happen to me is like, oh, what do you do? And it's like, oh, if someone introduces me as like, oh, he reads a bunch of sports all day and he covers a bunch of sports. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's the worst thing you can introduce me as because then. Yeah, I know. You told me. Yeah, it's terrible. So I'm curious if that would be the same. Is it the same reflex where you're like, oh, this is this is not not going to work for me? Are you asking me, do I want to be known as that pessimistic guy who reads all those sad books? It's not even <laughs> not known for it, but do you want to have those conversations with like acquaintances? Like, is that something that you have any interest in having? Oh yeah, man, I have I have like no filter when it comes to hmm. sharing 
my thoughts on things that I think are really interesting, even mm-hmm. if they're, even if they're like, um, you know, a bit of, um, uh, uh, like out of left field or I don't really know the best way to describe it, even though if, if, if they're non non sequitur or not applicable to the situation, like, if I if within five minutes of meeting someone, I'm like, oh, this would be a, a good person to mm. talk about. Um, I don't know, like something something that I'm reading in a book that I found really fascinating. Then yeah, of course I'll bring it up. Mm. Um, but I don't know. You'll have to ask the the next acquaintance that I make what, there you I'm, go. what I'm like as a dinner party guest. Okay, that, I really don't know. I, that works for me. I, I would be glad to do that. I would do like a whole spinoff of the pod. I think we have our spinoff ready to go. Philip, I wanted to go down that uh, separate rabbit hole to see if you could actually segue seamlessly back into what you were trying to segue into originally. Can you do that? Yeah. Well, I was, were you just intentionally trying to uh, derail me or was that was just like a, a, an intentional sort of car crash that you were <laughs> that you were looking at um, sort mm-hmm. of causing because... Right, you know there, there are a lot of there are a lot of similarities I think between the trail that this conversation has taken mm-hmm. and and the winding road that mm-hmm. um, that the protagonist of 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 the film that we're discussing today has taken, and it deals a lot with exploring our past and right who we are inside and and how the world views us right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you, want, do you want to talk about this film or do you not want to? Do you <laughs> this is going to be a happy film. Drive it's my g- car. It's, um, it was interesting. It was very um, soothing. Like this was a very soothing movie where it, it, it's Philip you say in a nutshell where it's like talking to Philip is soothing. But what he's saying, it's like one of those things. <laughs> what are you about to say? <laughs> let me. I, <laughs> I, I Let me just for the record say that I don't want to be compared to the subject matter of this film. I don't want my my essence as a human being to be described as grim or devastating or you know melancholy, which mm. by the way were elements that made this film incredible. But mm. but for those of you who haven't um seen Drive My Car um or heard of it, I was as I was mentioning before, Drive My Car is a film um adapted from a story by Haruki Murakami, who's a Japanese mm. artist. Um it is a, uh, a film that's written and directed by Rusuke, uh, Rusuke Hamaguchi, um, which is, uh, I believe, his his uh, second collaboration with. Um, uh, I want to get his name right with Takamasa Wei. Mm. Um, so they they co-wrote the screenplay together. But this film was was incredibly well received over the course of last year. Um, it had its world premiere at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival, um, it won the Palme d'Or, um, and it also uh, won the Best Screenplay Award. Um, and most recently, it won um, uh, Best International Film at the 94th Academy Awards. And uh, so basically, this this has been... I recommended this film uh, to you about a month ago mm. before it won. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the reasons I wanted to do it was because I think we we have this we have this streak of watching. Um, I, I think of the like twenty or so podcasts that we've done, maybe mm. like three or four have been 
films that were like genuinely like happy and even even of those and that wasn't even by chance like i think that's just our whole thing is that's just what we're into for like that's my go-to movie genre is in book genre article genre um it's just i don't know i like it when it's natural like that where it's it's an organic thing we were not planning on just doing everything that was (laughs) bleak and um uh depressing and i mean where'd you go bernadette uh, where'd you go bernadette was my favorite i, I, I thought that was a very happy movie <laughs> did you think it was I, that must be that must say a lot about what i think is happy you love that movie find someone I who love loves uh where'd you go bernadette as much as philip loved it that's like, that's where you're that is you're whoever that person is is my soulmate because um i think mm. about that movie sometimes and i'm like look all she wanted was to stop the chaos inside of her and and to stop that chaos she had to create. I mean, how beautiful of a concept is that? Mm. How I mean, we I feel like we should just do a year of Richard Linklater. I would do that. I listened to his podcast. Uh he did a live show with um I think it was the Hollywood Reporter mm. um awards chatter. And I listened to this like um uh, 2 months ago and he's just like the chillest dude. He's just like he's just like and his voice is just like so soothing. He's just like, Yeah, yeah, you know, I was I was I was um I was going to uh, <laughs> class once and uh, you know, I was like, Oh, that, that that's like a that's like a cool thing that I could uh, you know, use use for the for, for the film and uh you know, so so I did it and I'm like, Bro, you you, you were this is a this is a, I, I think he's a brilliant filmmaker. Um mm. because he and I've said this before, he just captures like the essence of, of everyday life, um, in a way that's like very very wieldable mm. um but anyway apart from apart from this this um this you know group of or style of filmmaking that i think we tend to center our podcasts around mm-hmm. drive my car fits squarely into this um sort of um dark but rich and deep exploration of um human disappointment Mm -hmm. and um i think one of the things that that i really liked about this film apart from um the acting and and the pacing was just the way that um the shots of both tokyo and hiroshima um captured this sense of like impending um um like in, an impending sense of of uh of of self like self self-examination that was never quite um going to be realized like i think i think by uh by showing us like showing us tokyo showing us like these these really like cloudy days um this like haze just kind of that hung over each of these cities Mm. and we're we're driving through uh we're driving through streets it's like a very in both of these cities are very quite industrious um there's there's the sense that you never you know things are always in motion and we never quite get a chance to um but the characters that are in these in this car never get a chance to um to look inside of themselves until like a certain point in the movie where everything just starts to come out really naturally after they developed this, you know, this rapport together. Um, so I really like the juxtaposition of that, like, um, hazy, like morose cityscape 
which kind of to me captured um, a lot of the chaos that I think was going on internally with these with these with these characters. Who did you think did the best job of acting that out and putting it out there on the screen? Where you were like, it, you were you were probably most taken aback by uh, how they were able to not articulate but kind of um, express what that character was was feeling. I think this is so that's a good question because I think this is this is this is probably emblematic of a lot of the Japanese films um that I've watched. One of my favorite directors is um Hirokazu Kureda and a lot of his films are characterized by um you know actors uh who don't really emote all that much. Mm-hmm. And so that that theme of um you know these characters uh like keeping in their um their trauma and not really like um at least outwardly expressing it in the same way that in western culture or in western films you might see a character emote was mm-hmm. was was i think that was very much on display in this film i think the main character um um the the you know the theater director who uh had been I'm, I'm i i guess we should also reiterate that we we do spoil the film yeah um, we should say so. on these podcasts yes we do talk about the movie and everything that does happen in this movie yes so uh keep that in mind um mm. so i i i think that um mr mr Kef- I, his name is pronounce kafuku mr mm-hmm. mr mr kafuku um the main character the, not yes, the main, guy who's helping him um with his uh play in um japan who has the wife who only speaks in sign language oh um, yeah yes yeah well yeah he's the i think he's the the dramaturg so okay. yes yeah, so i'm talking about the, the main character mm. who's 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 you know owns the car and he's being driven right. around in his in his red um you know saab 900 turbo um I think that he did a tremendous job embodying the the pain of this of this man. I th- for me it was really hard. To, I didn't really get the sense that he had um that he had been uh holding in such resentment toward his toward his late wife. Mm-hmm. Um, until until the very end, I mean, y- you get the impression that um, you know after they lost their daughter mm-hmm. to pneumonia, you know they entered into this um, this this stage of their relationship where in order to survive, um, they 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 essentially you know com- compartmentalize different aspects of their um, of their of their personalities, mm-hmm. and um, you know she became really reserved. Um, and he, I think, um, you know, misunderstood the reasons why she was pulling away a bit. And, you know, obviously with, you know, her infidelity and deciding that, you know, she was going to see other men and then him never confronting her about that. I think as a viewer, you get the impression that, well, Hey, like maybe he's, maybe he's either in on this, um, on this whole situation or he just doesn't have the courage to confront it. But it's not until the very end that we see 
that he does he does still harbor this like these pent up feelings of of um of disappointment and and resentment for his for his wife and and I think the journey that he took as a character from the beginning of the film to the end of the film where he's you know he's doing his thing he's in his element he's directing this 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 theater theater production of Uncle Vanya um you never really you, you never really get a sense of all like the turmoil that's going on in his inner world until he's standing at the ruins of his driver's you know former home mm-hmm. and he starts to break down and he and and he basically like laments that he never had a chance to um to confront his wife about um all of the things that you know seemed like despite the fact that that things seemed great um there was there was always this this you know la- layer of um of of uncertainty and just ill will permeating everything so yeah i mean that that's a long way of answering your question i thought he he did a great job of holding everything in um who did you think who did well, you it's also think he did, did he holds it in until faced with someone who like the inverse is true where he didn't have the chance to make amends before she was gone and mm-hmm. uh before Otto uh departed and who passed away from the brain hemorrhage and he blames himself for some of it where he says like I was driving around and I didn't want to go home because I think we're left with the assumption that she was going to tell him about it, the infidelity and what was been going on and that this is something we have to address and mm-hmm. he did not want to lose the relationship and like you said even though he was going through all this inner tur- turmoil his feelings, his his broader big picture feelings were still the same. He still wanted to make this work and loved the comfortability and loved her, like her mind. And he loved the car rides and he loved when she would um, do the scenes with him and do like the fact that the way she was innovative in the way, <laughs> very different uh, folks in the way that she was a screenwriter. Uh, her methods were <laughs> a little bit different. There's method acting and then there is what she's doing. Um, <laughs> which is a different thing entirely, but hey, to each their own. Um, but he loved that about process. it. Exactly. And then um, his driver, who he comes closer to, and part of that, I think, is because he says early on that like she could be his daughter. Um, mm-hmm. The age is close. So he sees, as he starts to open up a little bit more, that Misaki um, has her own uh, trauma and deals with her own thing. But when she's faced with the realization that, or not even just the realization, but just that, when she's there and he sh- she shows him her childhood home and what happened with the mudslide and everything like that. But like she could have saved her mom and that level of vulnerability where it's like, it's, it's different than him where he did not have the opportunity to remedy it. She did and made a choice, made a conscious choice to not do that. Um, and I thought like the, the most devastating part of that back and forth was, her talking about her imaginary friend and just that was wild where that's how she dealt with the physical abuse and what was going on with her mom and man that the scene i think that was probably the scene of the movie um was the two of them wrapping their head around their own unique individual um turmoil that Mm -hmm. has like you said just been gnawing at them for so long they haven't addressed it but for very very different reasons so i don't think he would have gotten there without her without without 
Well, that Masaki, mm. her, his driver. Yeah, um, I think he would have kept going with the rest of his life, just doing more plays, doing more directing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he would have ever addressed it. Well, I guess the other, the other um, extenuating circumstance was the fact that his his main actor, the 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 um, the young man who played Uncle Anya. Mm. Yes. Um, Can we pause what? real quick about this? The, I know what scene you're about to talk about, Mr. Yeah. Koji. Okay. I want to get your perspective on this because uh, the Sports Renaissance woman came in at the like the last 30 minutes of this movie and saw this scene. And I looked at her and I was like, this is the differences in uh, Japanese policing and uh, American <laughs> policing where this man... At the back and forth, I was like, lawyer, what are you doing? Lawyer. Like, I'm shouting at the screen because he's <laughs> lawyer, just, like, lawyer, opening lawyer. up about it. And they're like, were you at this bar? And, uh, well, the person that uh, you got into the fight with, we saw you on camera. And uh, that person has now passed away. And he's like, that was me. Okay, let's go. And then he's like, but one request. Can I change first? Yes, sir, you may. Yes. You- <laughs> <laughs> what? Look, I mean... He demonstrated some credibility, I guess, right. by first admitting to the fact that he did it, and then, yeah. you know, he was like, "All right, play over." Like, sorry, like that's it, that's it. It was a, that was a wild two and a half minutes. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but it was also brewing. Where this movie being almost three hours—that's another thing about this movie—is that it cannot be. A, this movie could not have been done in an hour and a half. This movie could not no. have been done well in that way because you had to experience and sit with a lot of these characters for a long period of time. You had to see them interact with each other for a long period of time. Yeah. You had to um, really get a sense of who they all were. And like just even the dinner party um, and those two just, they were so uncomfortable. You could just tell they were still just so awkward and um, being around a happy couple and a happy home made them a little bit uncomfortable and they were trying to get through that. And, um, I don't know. I thought Koji was like the, the outlier where he, like the movie is about addressing this turmoil and Koji was like, he, he was faced with it, but he had this understanding, I think more so, um, the Misaki where he knew what he was. And I think he tells him in, in the middle of the movie where he's like, there's nothing inside me. Um, he tells Yusuke, um, that there's just, there's nothing there. And Yusuke doesn't believe that. That's why he gave him the part that he did. It's like, he wants him to experience what he experienced playing that role over and over again. And I think maybe I'm misinterpreting. I want to get your interpretation of it, but I thought him acting on that and him continuing to not be able to control his emotions was him just proving to him that like, Hey, this is who I am. I cannot change. Like we can address it. Yeah but I have these problems and um, self-control is just something that I'm not going to address. And I'm just going to be at peace with the fact that this is me. Yeah. Well, it's a tragic character. I mean, I think every, every, every character in the film is, is tragic in, in some way. Um, I don't know though. Your... Is it Lee Yoon? Is that the other director? Yuna, yeah. Oh, he's, I don't think he's tragic. I think he's got a pretty good situation. The the dramaturg, yes. I think I think the main characters, um, the main characters in the film, in some way, shape, or form, are are, are tragic, right? And that's that's Masaki, that's um, that's Mister mm. Kafuku. It is um, 
you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's Koji as well. Yeah. Um, and I think those, those, that sort of trio of characters are, are the only people who are ever in the car. Right. And I think, so the, in that sense, the car is this like symbol of, um, it's almost like this receptacle of, of, of pain, right? It's like the, it's the place where the most vulnerability or it's, it's the place of, you know, in within the film where most of the, of the vulnerability is on display. And so those, those are the three characters who sort of, you know, let, um, you know, bear all Mm -hmm. in, in the film. And I thought, um, I thought the scene that you just mentioned the, where, where he's, you know, he's relaying, Koji is relaying the story that, that, um, that, um, Yusuke's wife, Oto told him Yeah, the fact that he, he, you know, Koji has the complete story mm-hmm. and, and, and Yusuke does not. And I think we're meant to believe from the very beginning when, um, you know, when Yusuke walks in and, and sees mm-hmm. his wife, Odo, you know, cheating on him, you know, we only see the back of the head yeah. of the, of the, it's implied it's him though. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's implied, but, but I think through the nuance of, um, the way that, you know, Yusuke and Koji interact with each other, mm-hmm. the way that Yusuke kind of, um, w- you know, looks after, Koji, mm-hmm. um, and and welcomes him with open arms and gives him the leading role in the in the play. At least, you know, what was on my mind the whole time was is is Yusuke trying to sabotage Koji? Like, is he trying to mm-hmm. um, exact revenge by putting him in a, in a in a in a position where he's just like not um, he doesn't have enough life experience to play the character and and he's um, you know he he's he's essentially setting him up for failure. And there's, you know, the scene where, you know, he, he tells, Koji tells Yusuke the rest of the story and he's looking, he's looking at the camera. I mean, it's a, it's a POV, it's Yusuke's POV shot. I thought that, (laughs) that, that scene was so tense. Mm. It was so tense because I was just waiting for him to say, um, something that intimated that he, like, he he was the guy who mm. who cheated who cheated on him right and i think i think we we are meant to believe that um that koji is is this sort of sick manipulative person who who um has a really nice sort of affect and smile and is very you know outwardly respectful but he probably gets off on on coming back to like the scene of the crime almost yeah. like coming back and reacquainting yourself with the 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 former husband of the woman that you possibly could have been sleeping with and trying to develop this sort of strange friendship with him as a way of reconnecting with with her lost memory and yeah i just think that there's a lot of complicated um there's there's an extremely complicated dynamic do you think that's conscious though that he's doing it i don't know if we're supposed to believe he's that in he's that smart of a character Maybe that's something that I was thinking where I'm like, I don't know. It's like one of those self-destructive paths or really toxic personality traits that I don't even know if that person knows that that is their toxic trait and what they're doing. Yeah. 
Well, I think he, well he admitted he admitted on more than one occasion that he that he had he had a problem to right. To but not what I'm saying is like seeking out the husband and really developing a, like what you're talking about with the rapport and really driving the knife in a little bit on yeah. on that accord. I don't know. Well, I think I think it's one of the many things that that can be left up to interpretation yeah. based on the acting of of these characters, based on the fact that we don't really see Yusuke emote until until mm-hmm. the very end where he breaks down um yeah and i think that's just probably i mean it's a testament to the to the directing um and and the the i guess you know what i imagine would be the request of these actors to um to pen up a lot of the the emotions that i think they would have had to be conscious of mm-hmm. in order to um, put themselves in the shoes of these characters, like to feel something without showing that you're you're feeling it, and mm. and to feel something without knowing that, or to feel something while not um, giving away the um, the difficulty of of dealing with the weight that these characters are are carrying around. I think that's a really difficult thing to do um, as an actor. So, um. Yeah, I mean, the long story short, I, I feel, I feel like um, that that scene in the car where where you know he, where Koji is is retelling the story was 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 one of the most tense mm-hmm. of, of the entire film. I think uh, I think everyone should should definitely watch this. But like when you get to that scene, like uh, hold on tight, <laughs> hold on tight. And it's on HBO Max, folks, so you can uh, it's easily accessible on that front but um yeah i think that i think <laughs> there were a lot of things in the what do you what do you think was the most interesting question this film asked its audience that's um yeah i i i think for me this there's a theme around um how and how we accept people for who they are mm-hmm. um towards the end i think part of the resolution of um of yusuke reforming his opinion of his wife um was was grounded in koji's question of well hey like do you think that um do you think that it's possible that she actually wasn't a bad person and that she was she was in some ways like trying to tell you something about who she was and then that mm-hmm. that was sort of reinforced by um Kasuki's question of um of Yusuke when you know when they're standing over the ruins of 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 her home um do you like isn't it possible that your wife like you all like you essentially that you both had a wholesome relationship it's just that she loved you and also was was unfaithful and i think um yeah i mean i think that raises the question of when people when people show you who they are and that image conflicts with who you'd like them to be what what is our role as a participant in that in that relationship and it doesn't have to be like a romantic relationship i think it can just be like a regular 
to be a platonic relationship. Mm-hmm. But when someone when someone's actual behavior, you know, contradicts the ideal of who you have of them in your mind, is your is your role to like stand there and and see them, even though you'll never be able to see fully into like the darkest parts of them, or is it? Like was said in the film, is is your is is it is is it a better use of our time to simply look at ourselves, <laughs> like to look, to look really deeply inside of ourselves, um, and try to um, and try to intuit what it is about ourselves that um, that we still don't understand? Because I think I think the point is made that you'll never be able to fully know a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that I mean that's that's incredibly. It's incredibly philosophical and it's incredibly um scary to to think that um but yeah that's 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 what sort of my takeaway what 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 question do you think that it the the film brought up that's still unanswered for you I think that's a really good one though um and it kind of permeates into a lot of other different questions that it mm-hmm. addresses but um I don't know I think Like you said, I do like the fact that it it really tackled um, the disparity between what a person presents themselves as versus what is actually going on. It, it, it's um, – I thought Yusaki just did a – he was such a good casting choice for this role because his face, it was just – he was always so difficult to read. And I think um, with that – it was just so much fun to follow along of just you never know even body language even what a person's saying you really really don't know what a person's wrestling with internally and um i think just the people in his circle would have been surprised to learn where where he where his head was at generally speaking and um i also think the question and ask of just we don't really move on and I think mm. that is something like closure is not a real thing. And I think a lot of films fall into that uh, unfortunate pitfall of closure because closure's neat. People like the idea of cl- closure. I don't believe in closure. I don't think this film believes in closure. Um, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. So I think that would probably be uh, another big question to ask of like, what really is closure? Yes. She moved on and, um, Masaki could drive wherever you can drive wherever you can. Um, your child can pass away to tragic illness and time will go by. Yep. You won't, you may not think of it, that event as much, but you don't even realize all the other ways that it still impacts you. And you can like, you cannot run from so many things in your past in terms of like, you can move forward, you can make progress, but there is no full closure. You don't ever know when that's going to pop back up or something that you thought was remedied or a feeling or a sentiment you thought was just fixed isn't fixed. It was fixed for that time. It was uh, it was okay for that period of time. But you, it's kind of scary to think about how little choice sometimes you have in those internal feelings. Like he, I think guilt was another part of this. Is I think they both felt extremely guilty um, over the situations that kind of have defined their lives in a lot of ways. And it's just, it's hard to get over that. Like, yes, I would love to know what their lives were like after that. Do we, do we just think 
that this film is saying now that she's moved on and has a dog and uh, went to the grocery store and is smiling and um, that she's she's fixed. I don't think that the the film's telling that at all. It's just saying that like for right now, this is where she's at and she's made progress and she's at peace. But peace can be shaken, and I uh, I think this film does a really good job of you can be successful, you can play this role, and you can. Um, bounce around you can travel you can drive your car as much as you want to drive your car you can read as many lines as you would like to read to block out what's really going on because i think that was part of why he was so um intent on driving not just the the pattern and him reading his lines but it was just it was an opportunity for him to get out of his own head and when Mm. he is playing that role and rehearsing these lines he's not himself anymore he's not having to deal with his own personal struggles anymore he is in the head and in the mind of an entirely different person and that was i think comforting for him and he realized that oh if i'm not driving my car and i'm not doing my lines then i'm going to be and i'm gonna have to address some stuff and that's part of what she did for him as the driver is like she threw his his uh his life head into into a spinning mess and i think he knew that that was a possibility and uh, it ended up helping them both, but it helped them both in the short term. We don't know what the long term is. And I think that is something that's important for people is um, closure is closure is temporary, unfortunately. Yeah. I think, I think the answer to what happens in the long run is, is is actually embedded in the play. Mm. I think the, the very end um, where, Lee Yune's character is um, who is who is she speaks what well, she she uses Korean sign language mm. and and I thought that um, she she I, I actually I think she was probably my um, my favorite actor in, in the entire mm. film this is this is Yurim Park and she essentially is um, um, a Korean woman who does not speak but she she can hear um she's an actor she was a former dancer um she had a miscarriage and um she just i guess lost her ability to be in touch with her body and found found a way back into herself through the art of um of storytelling and in her audition i'll get back to the point um that i was addressing in a second but in in her audition she's um she's she's speaking to the character of Uncle Vanya. She's playing Sonia, um, Uncle Vanya's niece. And she's signing so emphatically and eventually starts to cry. And the camera just sort of lingers on her for um for like a few seconds and you 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 can see that the even though she didn't speak any words, you can see that something inside of her is just is screaming. Mm. Um, and so in that way, the, the play, um, once, once Yusuke, um, uh, gets sort of roped into the role of Uncle Vanya, um, Sonia's character has, you know, played, played by, um, um, played by Yurim Park. Mm. She has a signed monologue where she's essentially you know, answering Uncle Vanya's question, like, what is the point of, of living, right? Like, what is the point of staying alive? And, and her response is, 
you know, we we have to we have to carry on through the suffering because once it's over and once we're, you know, once we're part of the great beyond and we we're face to face with God and um, you know, God will have pity on us because of all of the suffering that we went through. And now that will be, you know, that will be the time to rest. But until then we have to, we have to live our lives. We have to carry on. Um, and I think the point that you brought up of, okay, well, yes, now that, now that, um, Masuki is, she's in possession of the car and she's driving around, she's at a grocery store. She has a dog, right? Like that's a, I think that's a capitulation of the, of the ideal of the ideal that the plays is, is, you know, ends with that mm. life is suffering and Masuki's not going to, um, you know, even though she, she probably had some degree of closure, she's not ever going to, you know, she never got to say goodbye to her mother. Her mother. Right. She never, you know, she never experienced, you know, proper, a, a proper, um, sense of closure. Um, and yet she still carries on. And mm. I think we're meant to believe that, um, that Yusuke also carries on, um, and in many ways, you know, I'm I'm sure that you know Koji's carrying on in his own way. Like everyone experiences struggle, um, but it's not our job to, like, as of right now, why. he's also he's admitted to like nine more murders since he's been in that uh, <laughs> in that holding cell. No, pity. <laughs> that would not be surprising. That's actually mm. the sequel. Mm. Yeah, the, the return of Koji. the Koji murders, <laughs> the Koji murder, the Koji tapes. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think this is a deeply philosophical film um it what the fact that the camera doesn't ever really i mean it apart from the camera being in the car and following Mm -hmm. um you know following the the sob while it's driving through the um driving through the city or driving through the mountains the film is very static and there's no it's very stark there's virtually no soundtrack um and that just forces us to be you know, transported into the psychology of these characters and into, into, you know, trying to figure out what's in their heart. Um, and I think that's part of the magic of, of, of why this film works so well. Like we have no choice, but to look at these people, (laughs) like look at, look at these people looking at their, looking at themselves. Um, and then it's, it's really scary. Uh, it's really scary because I think, a lot of the 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 trauma or turmoil that they're experiencing is probably not dissimilar to the trauma that we that we all have experienced in some way, shape, or form, and um, our refusal to to reconcile with that trauma is um, is I, th- I think what's on full display in this film. So I'm getting in my head. <laughs> scary, <laughs> quite scary. It. I mean that. Like, un- being okay with that understanding is difficult. Like, I think it's just a, that's a, that's not what people who, that's just not what human beings want to hear. They want the need answer. They don't want to face that realization that this is something that you're going to deal with every single day. It, it yeah. is just something that's just a part of life and it just is not going to go away. You can drive your car, you can recite your lines, you can act in place but it's there somewhere and you just 
have to work at it. You're human. You just have to figure it out as you go. And that's uncomfortable. Like this is an uncomfortable movie about uncomfortable things. Yep. Yep. And also it's incredibly claustrophobic. Too. It is very claustrophobic. It's so claustrophobic. I think that adds to the, that just adds to the like unbearable um, pressure of like, I don't know, being invited to look at oneself. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you can like it's one thing to look at yourself in a mirror mm-hmm. and I think it's another thing to be put in a box of mm-hmm. you know surrounded on all sides by mirrors and that box is traveling at like 70 kilometers an hour down a down a highway you know I think that's probably what Yusuke was was experiencing when he um was assigned the driver which is why we saw such resistance like he didn't mm-hmm. really want to have to look at himself um the rule book there, they were very stringent and there's a lot, not a lot of back and forth where it was not a, let me talk to your manager type situation. Let's, let's go above <laughs> board here because yeah. me driving this car, cause I feel like he had a lot more cachet. It's like, what are you going to cancel all this? You've uh, invested a lot in me coming here and uh, putting on this production. And uh, it, the, the rationale, uh, wasn't it just that someone had hit somebody while driving yeah. and that was, uh, and they were like, after that, never again. Yeah, that Which, makes a ton of sense to me. That's but a then great... what if the driver does the same thing a couple of years later? Do you get a de- <laughs> you get a driver for the driver? That's <laughs> you get two drivers. <laughs> you have two drivers in the front seat, and the person in, in the passenger seat's the one who committed the manslaughter, and they point to the new driver of like, here's what you want to avoid as you're driving. <laughs> yeah, driver inception. I'm here for so, it. It's so meta. Did mm-hmm. did any of this? even happen i mean did the movie even happen i think so it was i i had not thought about the fact that there was no sound for a lot of it until you said something where i had not even realized just how quiet and how limited uh it was in that regard because it was a three-hour movie and it was just um i don't know i i for whatever reason had not thought about that of just how um quiet the the movie really was which i think was by design Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When they, when they drove off, when they were in, when they visited, um, Misuki's hometown, mm. home village and they pulled off, um, I think they, they were like pulled off the side of the road and, you know, to buy flowers mm. and the sound just went silent. It was, it was, um, I mean, it was ethereal. It's just like here you're driving through this you know, winterscape of, um, just silence and desolation. And, um, it just, it just, I don't know. It just, I just, it was just very eerie. Mm. Um, I, I ultimately really liked it. I really liked this film. Same. It was good. It was good. And it, it only made sense that when we, uh, come back and get back into our rhythm and shake the cobwebs off that, uh, we do a three hour foreign film. Uh, from Philip Musay, but you know what this means, <laughs> Philip? Is it's my turn this uh, it's your upcoming turn. week? What do you what do you what do you got? What I think do we do got? fresh because I really need you to watch fresh. Oh, you want to do fresh? <laughs> I didn't. Re- okay, all right. I'm I'm down. <laughs> I'm down for that. I just need to know, and I'm I think the sports that. renaissance woman needs to know what your perspective on this movie is because it's uh it's a wild ride. Look, I'm I'm all I'm all for wild rides. 
Um, before we go, though, Philip, I think um, something else that happened in the year in between that we're calling this, um, the, the in-between years um, <laughs> from Musa and Thomas, was that uh, you were busy and created your own. What do we want to call this? What's the actual term? Um, short film. Short film. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say short film, but I wasn't sure if that was like the the best way of describing it. But you did a short film. You were in yeah. Cleveland. I you, was in Cleveland. Uh, you uh, like explain what happened. Why you were in Cleveland? What the film is? How people can go check it out? Like all that good stuff. Like let's, yeah, let's let the people know. Yeah, well, here I am about mm-hmm. to sign off without even talking about my my recent film um yeah so i i made a short film about a black inventor named garrett morgan who um lived or i was born at the tail end of the 1800s and moved to um moved to ohio um in the early 1900s and um basically apprenticed for a tailor shop owner he became really adept at, at repairing sewing machines and he eventually opened up a tailor shop of his own um, he, you know, started a, um, he started a hair straightener business that he made quite a bit of money from. And he really just made a lot of inroads for, um, African Americans who were, you know, sort of migrating to Kentucky or sorry, um, migrating to Ohio. Um, and the film itself is about an incredible, um, sort of heroic event that Garrett was, you know, um, uh, Garrett was responsible for for saving uh, several lives um, when there was this explosion underneath the uh, um, the there was like a, you know Lake Erie had, had I, it's hard to explain if you're not like looking at a schematic of the of the lake but basically a they were trying to bring in fresh water from the lake into the city and someone was mining. Um, someone who was mining hit a gas pocket and the whole sort of tunnel exploded. So there's this like inferno of, of like burning gas underneath Lake Erie. Mm. Um, and he had invented this safety hood, which um, had, you know, he had, he had tested and it was, you know, proved that it could filter, um, it could filter uh, noxious gases. And he was going around trying to sell this safety hood and wasn't really having any luck um, because, once you know once potential buyers and firefighters found out that he um was was african-american um they just didn't believe that it worked um so during the tunnel disaster someone i guess had remembered that he had these hoods and they asked him to come down in the middle of the night and uh, garrett called his brother frank and they they go down and they they descend into this inferno and they they rescue several lives and they help recover bodies after the rescue had been called off by the local fire department. Um, and so the film takes place the morning after that happened. And it's essentially, uh, an argument between Garrett and his brother, Frank about, you know, why he should continue to make these hoods. If he's not, you know, a, he didn't, he didn't get the credit that he deserved should mention that after, you know, the morning after the newspapers left him out of the story entirely. So, you know, it, it's this it's this philosophical debate between um you know a man who is trying to go around and do this amazing thing and, and save lives and and uh his brother who has a perspective on well hey like why don't you apply yourself and in, in in different ways to sort of support the african-american community 
Um, so we made the film last summer. Um, we were in pre-pro for like six months. We shot it in Atlanta for two days and then did like six months of post-production. Um, I wrote and directed it and uh, produced it and edited it. And uh, yeah, now it's it's making the rounds at some festivals, which is super exciting. Um, you, I wish I'd known that you're like putting this on YouTube. Otherwise, mm. I would have put my last name on my on my name. <laughs> no, they'll know because your name will be on it. Like, well, like in the actual. Oh, it stuff. is called like, yeah, Musa and Thomas. But yeah, yeah, you can find the you can find the trailer for the film at um, at my website. It's Philip Musa. Mm. Uh, com, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we're, we're we're having some success right now, and hopefully, we'll be able to, you know, expand it into a a bigger piece eventually. So, it's super and exciting. what is it called again? Uh, the film's called The Inventor. Okay, I was a hundred. I I could have to circle back in my own post production, but I'm I'm ninety three percent certain you didn't say the name of the film in that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, what, yeah, I don't think I did. Um, it's amazing. I here, love we're, this. We're just talking about this, like, really, feel, I'm just, like, so in my head right now because oh. this film that we just discussed, I'm like, yeah. it was a lot deep. Like, I watched it and I was like, wow, this is, this is deep. But every time you and I d- talk about films, it just, like, it just, like, helps me unlock a different layer of depth. And I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the sunken place right now. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring myself out of it. But, yeah, the film is called The Inventor. Yes. Definitely check it out. Uh, yes. Well, you can't check it out now because it's it's being submitted to festivals. But mm. very soon, we'll ha- I'll have a link to it on my website and you can, you okay. can look at it. Is it going to so. play at an Atlanta festival anytime soon? Local one? Or no? Yeah, it's actually playing at the georgia shorts festival next sunday which is um there's a it's playing at pond city market okay what time of the theater i i literally don't have any details i think that i think they're like coming out with the schedule this week i'm like so in the dark on this but i'll i wish i do the information to that question it's okay folks i think we're gonna have a lot of local atlanta people and um who check out this podcast so i want to make sure that they have the opportunity to go watch it and go see it and go support you man because it when i saw that that was coming out that's what you're working on um it it made me very happy because you're very talented and you're you i i respect you for a multitude of reasons but one of them is that you're you you really really put the time and the work in like you you don't you it's just it's cool to see and i i as someone who also just puts a lot of time and effort and energy and creative energy into things that we're passionate about that are important and that are just different and telling different stories and working on different things and bringing uh, a different perspective and different ideas to the table i think is is fun and uh thought-provoking it makes you makes you better so i think this podcast between the two of us i just think we we both get something out of it that uh, is very different, I think. Um, but it, I think it's just so it's so helpful. Like the podcast after this, like now that we're back, like I don't even I can't wait to see what I'm like all <laughs> week on future on the sports pods. Like I don't uh, I don't know, but the, it's yeah. it's so much fun because I always learn something and uh, I feel smarter every hour after this. that. It's great. That's look. That's all I can ask for. At least you don't. Well, you, you can feel smarter mm. and maybe a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, smarter, but not more cynical. Mm. Uh, 
I love filmmaking because it makes me wildly optimistic about like the possibilities of where we can go. So even mm. even when we're watching films, and I'm assuming this next one is going to be very dark. <laughs> should we just should we just name the podcast like Philip Philip and Chase talk about talk dark films? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, something something to that. Effect. Eventually, we'll do a, a let's. I don't know. You can email. We should us. do Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Say it again. Chitty Chitty. We should review Chitty Chitty Bang. Absolutely not. That that's like one of my can't do it. I'm not, I'm not a musical joking. guy. I cannot. That's just, that's a problem. Is it a problem? A, a Are problem. you a big musical guy? Big musical guy. An American just, in Paris. You don't you don't like that one? No, okay, obviously you don't like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, no. We could we could do. I listen to jazz and like I don't like a lot of words to my music. Like I listen to a lot okay. of stuff. Like I listen okay. to a lot of um, musical soundtracks or, or TV or TV and movie soundtracks. And like I, the John Williams of the world and the, the Doyles. And I don't know. I, I really, really like that. I don't, I work throughout the day with soundtracks that don't have words. And then I listen to a lot of jazz while I'm reading and doing other stuff and writing. So I don't know. I don't like a lot of music with words. So musicals yeah. don't really work for me because it's uh, a lot of words and they're singing and dancing and just uh, the energy level is not uh, consistent with where I'm at on a daily basis. Generally speaking, all right, well, we'll we'll move you we'll move you away from that position as uh, over time. I'll, I'll ease you. Is that into, a goal? To, Why do you need to do this to me? I think I'm we've 31, talked about this before. Man. I'm 31 now. I just yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm set in my ways. Musicals are going to be a tough sell for me. Like I'm going to do my best to bring mm-hmm. you over to the to the side of of fun fun and just mm. the human spirit is a musical you look inside all right we need to stop now i know i don't know <laughs> I, I didn't know where that was going I, that was terrifying <laughs> philip Musay. we can find you on twitter at philip is it just philip Musay? yeah is just it? philip Musay. now yeah, there you go philip com. i should start using twitter well your twitter is locked which is no great. yeah it's locked i i don't i yeah look i'm the worst uh public facing figure ever that's a good thing. I want to be like, I think I'm pretty terrible these days. Cause I only use social media really for promotion and getting my stuff out just because I have to, like I'm forever yeah. linked to social media because I don't think any of this works and any of my life works without it. But, um, I, I hate it. And it, whenever I get my stuff and I schedule my stuff, I'm off. It's just uh, it's a horrible use of your time. Horrible use. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not my favorite. Yeah. I'd much rather be reading Camus. Exactly. Like that's just not like, people who engage and like want to have back and forth and discussions. It's such a waste of time. Like at Twitter and all of that, it's just such a waste of time. Hot takes. Let me say. Hot takes. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Um, yes, I'm sir. excited. This. Uh, I think we need to nail down a day that this goes live. We can record on different days, but like which day we want to put these up every week um, as we do these again. Um, I, I have an idea. I'm thinking Sundays. We recorded this on a Sunday afternoon, but I think okay. if these go up early Sunday morning. Each week, just uh, a good way for people to start their week on Sundays. I think would be good. Um, but we'll talk about it. Philip Musay, Chase, Chase Thomas, Thomas, we're back. Musay and Thomas. Go watch the movie if you've not already done so. It's on HBO Max. Yes, sir. Drive my car. It's very good. Um, and I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right. That'll do it for this edition of Musay and Thomas here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in to this edition of the special uh, format here on the Chase Most Podcast. So this will be on this feed on Monday mornings uh, going forward. So 
look out for that every Monday morning here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Musay and Thomas will be here. All of our new movie reviews, that sort of thing, will come on this very feed. And uh, make sure you follow Philip at Philip Musay. And please go check out philipmusay.com and all of his great work and his short film. And let us know what you think. Uh, email us, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Um, so very excited to have Philip back and I hope you guys enjoyed this very, uh, podcast. And if you did and you have not already done so, please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Don't forget folks, uh, new program coming out tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, uh, always new content for you guys on a multitude of levels. So, um, excited to bring that to the forefront and to continue Uh, adding all kinds of great stuff for you guys this week so um, thank you as always for checking out this edition of the podcast and uh, the show and uh, if you're not already already uh, please make sure that you go subscribe to us on youtube youtube.com the chase Holmes podcast that easy that simple please go uh, read my writing and all my uh, sports writing movie writing tv writing all that good stuff sportsrenaissanceman.subsec.com personal essays all that and more, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email and go ahead and hit that subscribe button there. Um, but yeah, a lot of, lot of different links, a lot of different uh, ways to access my content and all that good stuff. But uh, go ahead and do that today. I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uncle Derek, how to do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.